0: Alright guys, welcome to another edition of The Lonely Wrist. Today, we have Ken here. Ken, please introduce yourself. I don't want to drop the ball.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Ken. Uh, I'm the founder of Deluxe. We are a watch strap and accessories company based out of Singapore. Um, I started this business in 2018, focusing on handcrafted leather straps, but today we are selling... Leather straps, rubber straps, cases. We're trying to be the go-to place for all watch accessories. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Blake, for, for the invitation. I'm happy to chat about my story, happy to talk about all things watches, straps, business, marketing. Those are the things that get me excited. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I knew my heart told me that you'd be wearing a Cartier today. <laughs> so... So I myself am wearing a Cartier no with, the, with the Izmir blue strap. Right.
1: that's awesome. I knew it, right. knew it. I was I was it, thinking what watch to wear for this this podcast and I was like, oh I'm gonna go with the cartier. It's I awesome. had a feeling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I am that much of a deluxe fan that I, I we haven't talked very much, obviously, but I, I have had an inspiration and a feeling you know, based on all the pictures that you post to your website.
1: Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, a big fan of Cartier. I like the brand. Yeah.
0: I was worried you'd be wearing a longa. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I can <laughs> keep up with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always been curious, like, how the name came to be. So tell us a little <laughs> bit.
1: <laughs> so so the name is actually a pun on, on the term deluxe. And obviously, deluxe is a very special part of the watch, especially for a watch strap person like me. So so it all started back in around 2018, I guess, the early part of, or right before that, actually, I was, uh, I picked up a hobby, leather crafting as a hobby. So I was making a mm. lot of straps, wallets, card holders, cases myself. Um, And then I also got into the hobby of watches around the time I fell into the rabbit hole. So <laughs> I started making straps for myself and then I, I was taking on commissioned work for other people as well. Um so I started making straps for other people and then I realized that the most people weren't used to the idea of high quality straps because when you when you go online you shop at the time this was back in twenty eighteen, you could probably find straps from like the mass market brands and the quality wasn't that great. And if you're looking to get something that's of better quality, you're probably gonna pay a couple of hundred dollars and you have to wait quite a little while because many of these straps are made by individual, mm-hmm. individual leather crafters like myself. If you wanted it immediately, you had to settle for something that's of a slightly lower quality. Uh, but if you wanted a higher quality strap, you would have to wait quite a while. And I was making these straps, I understood what went into making the straps. But I think the, what we saw back then is that not many people, there, there weren't that many people focusing on high quality but readily made straps. Um, so that was what I was trying to bring to the market. At the start, I was crafting myself. I was spending a lot of time uh, at, at my own workbench, uh, which was just my my bedroom basically, cutting the leather, stitching the straps together. But then I I thought that you know I was spending way too much time doing that, and I couldn't scale at some point. Um, and I thought that there had to be a better way to do this uh, because when when as a as a crafter, if you're making a strap from you know step one to ten, you're probably going to spend about five to six to seven hours making one strap. But if you are making the straps in a larger quantity, you're spending all the time say making 10 straps of step one and then you move on to step two. So almost like a factory line sort of thing. You can bring down the time that you take to craft each strap and theoretically you could spend less time and it'll cost less for a strap. So so that was the idea behind Deluxe. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically to make straps in a larger quantity in a range of sizes. So we could afford to bring the price down and sell them at a much cheaper mm-hmm. price. So that's what we did, and and the rest is history, I guess.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I I literally, I think I bought my first Delug strap maybe like over a year ago. So I was I was late to the party, but the second I got my hands on your straps, and my wife, like we we've done a lot of shopping in in places mm-hmm. like Turkey and stuff, you know. So you, you know, you always are like feeling what you're purchasing and putting your hands on on what you're buying. And, um, like I had never felt a strap like so soft, you know, and I'm, I'm really picky about like which straps I buy. Like I don't buy anything padded personally because it starts to put pressure on the side of, uh, of my wrist and, Mm. and yeah, the second I, and then, you know, thank God you guys did, um, like a holiday sale and I was like, all right, let me load up, you know, and, um, (laughs) And I had been storing my straps with like a little, um like, you know, you can go get a toolkit and it's got like these little mm-hmm. sections of it, you yeah. know, where you could, I was putting my straps in there and it looks stupid, you know, it looked like it was like a, like a power tool, like, you know, accessory. And I was like, there's got to be something better. And then yeah. sure enough, really? the strap, the <laughs> strap folio. And now I have, I have a strap folio and it is full. Nice. Seriously. Cool. So, you know, you've talked briefly about some of the craftsmanship, but I can't imagine like your thought process for scaling, you know, like, how did you, that's a huge kind of logistical overcoming, like, how did you formulate the, the strategy to scale? Like, I think you've always kind of talked in some of your content about kind of keeping things sourced locally, I mean it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to scale if you outsource, right? You know, mm-hmm. send it to to another factory or manufacturing facility that already has the people in place, but from my understanding, you didn't go that route.
1: Right. Right. So, I, I think it, it was it was a halfway route, I would say. Um so because I, I came from the background of crafting. So I think that allowed me to understand what goes into making the straps. You know, I think if you didn't start from that background, you could you could still find crafters out there. But you probably couldn't tell, you couldn't couldn't find a way to tell if what they were doing is the best way to do things. Or you couldn't tell if the ladder that they provided is really what they said it is. So I think for me, like knowing how the straps are made and making them myself and touching the ladder, feeling a, a bunch of like a range of different types of ladder allowed me to really understand the craft. Um and then is with that understanding I could go out and find partners that could make things exactly how I wanted to um I, I definitely didn't start at the same scale where i am today i think it, it started from a much smaller place just finding a a like-minded partner who could you know take on the crafting part of things and believing the vision that i had for how things could be and understanding that you know some things take time to build um and working together to achieve that vision uh, you know cuz cuz at the time many people will, will will be like oh why would you make so many straps in stock and Without even having the audience or the customer base, uh, why not just make the orders as they come in? But I think there's, you know, the, then then you're just gonna be like any other crafter out there, where you are taking a you have a long lead time for the products to come in. It's gonna be more expensive as well because you're just making one strap at a time. So I had to find the right partner to to really achieve um, that goal, and it's really about just working together to slowly get there. Like it, it, definitely where we are mm-hmm. today, we didn't start off like this. Um, I think at the start it was just we just had one or two letter types. We focus more on bringing quality leather and a wide range of sizes because today it's easy to find straps in like 19 mm, 21 mm to fit the different watches like Grand Seiko out there. But back then, I think people could only find 20 millimeters for the lug width, um, and everything else you basically had to custom. So that I felt was like an easy way to just differentiate ourselves from the market, you know, just by offering straps in 19 mm. Um, and I, I think, like you pointed out, you know, many straps. What, what people were used to is that straps had to be very stiff. And like when you buy the OEM strap, I mean, mm-hmm. talking about Cartier, right? The straps that come with their watches is like, it feels almost like a cardboard. And when you're putting the alligator strap on, it's so hard to put it through the keepers because it's just so stiff. Um, So we I spent a lot of time with my crafting partner to really fine tune the formula, so to speak, to make sure that, you know, the the stiffness is perfect, the thickness is perfect, that the distance between like the the keepers and the... The buckle is is just right, um. So there, there are a lot of nitty gritty details that uh, we spend time trying to get it right. Definitely, the first batch of straps we made weren't the greatest as well. Um, it took us the couple first couple of years to really get it down, and I think that focus on quality right at the start allows us to really um, stand out from the rest of the market. And and like yourself, you know, you, you just put it on and you can immediately tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, it
0: it feels like it should be a part of the watch. You know, I mean. When I first got my tank, you know, I I went to Cartier and I Mm -hmm. purchased one of the the factory straps. And I I had to deploy it with it, which, I mean, maybe you probably know is super annoying because the way that the strap is, is it folds. Yes. And it folds folds and comes. Yeah. yeah. And and that's how they size it. And, um, you know, from that point, like the strap, I I feel like it, it is kind of destroyed and essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have no idea why they do that. Like that is the number one way to destroy a strap is by folding it at 180 degrees and just flattening it. When I saw that system the first time, I was like, "That like someone is clearly not <laughs> does not understand how, how these things work. Yeah. I, I'm glad they switched the deploying style. Um like now it's just you don't have to fold it, it just it's just one side is it's a normal end and the other is a tail end. Um, so it's much, much better. But every time I see one of those straps, like a customer will come by and, and show me the strap and it's just not user friendly. It's not good for longevity of the strap. It's just, uh, yeah, it's it's not good.
0: Yeah. And um, not to mention, you know, Cartier kind of goes like, I don't know if you've ever been to a Cartier store and actually browse like their, mm-hmm. their selection of leather. They have like a little book and they have all these little swatches of leather. That you can choose from, and you can full you know, you can order one, you know, to your watch. They kind of cater to that customization crowd, but, but yeah, I absolutely hate hate it. I, I actually have one on order now because I'm the guy that at least wants one factory strap for mm-hmm. each watch. And when I picked up this tank, I picked it up at at, at an antique watch show and uh, it, the the bracelet or the strap was just was just trashed so i was like okay i need at least mm-hmm. one you know like yeah. factory strap and i've been waiting over 3 months for it well wow. how, how much was it and i'm $245 was this edicator or just a, a calf strap just it's, i think it's it, i think it's a natural hide like okay. i think it's, i think it's an apple like apple strap oh. now they're doing a lot oh. of apple product
1: like Right, right, right. Like, I um, think for the, the solar bead, if I'm not wrong, I think it came on mm-hmm. some uh non let animal-based material or something.
0: Yeah, I think it's like pressed apples. And then obviously comes the problems with the deployant. So you, you kind of saved my, my butt there. You know? <laughs> with the, the, the
1: so, Cartier-style buckle as well. Cartier-style
0: buckle. <laughs> yeah, so I have... Two tanks, and I have a steel one, and I have a gold one. And so your your buckles, like especially the gold, like you have the yellow gold and the rose.
1: Yes, yes. Um, sir.
0: The yellow gold like perfectly matches the case. So yeah, um, I'm happy to get it. And of, co- of course, you know the cost is is right on point. You know,
1: and you don't have to so, wait three months for it. No, no. In fact,
0: I whenever I ordered. You know, you had your huge labor. I don't know. I don't know what the. I think it's called. You guys call it the mid year sale. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah, and I think I picked up. I don't know, maybe seven or eight straps, and then I picked up the big folio, and then you know, I got the small folio. I felt pretty bad because then after I purchased the gold, the gold tank. And I went on your website and I ordered like five, five buckles. And I was like, oh man, I feel so bad. I'm ordering five buckles from Singapore right now.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, so. the, the, the thing is like, not many people offer these buckles. So I think that, you know, just by us having straps exactly. made for the tank with these buckles, um, just make them feel like they're made for the tank. It's been a pleasure really trying, being able to to provide straps for people who love Cartier. Like, I mean, I, I love the brand still, you know, um, I've gone to their boutique so many times. I've not actually placed an order for their straps. <laughs> the first thing, ironically the first one of the first things I do when, when, whenever I get a new watch is I tell the guy, the salespeople, can you help me to remove the the screws on the watch so that I can immediately swap out my strap for it? Because you know Cartier watches some of them come with the the screw-in bars instead of of spring bars. So I tell him to take that out so I can put my strap in immediately and walk out. <laughs> so I can keep the the original strap pristine, and then I'll just put my strap on and and wear that around. I'm a fan of the brand, and I I enjoy making straps for those watches that I own anyway. Um, so being able to provide straps for the rest of the Cartier fans out there and collectors out there, uh, it's really something that that I'm quite happy to be able to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was trying to get, you know, I I don't have a tank. I'm sorry, I don't have a, a Santos, but mm-hmm. um, at some point I hoped I hoped to have a Santos, and I, I missed the the jump off point with you know your. Mm-hmm. Uh, Your Santos straps, you know, I know you had some, some issues, I think, using their exchange system or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah,
1: uh. Uh, that, that was that was quite the unfortunate situation. Yeah, it, it's... it's uh, well, for just some context for those who, who may not be aware. So we, about two years ago now, we started making um, leather straps for the Cartier Santos. And the Santos uses the special quick switch system, so it's great. I love it. Um, it allows you to switch between the bracelet and and the leather straps uh, very easily. I think it's one of the better systems for doing so out there, and so so I think that's great. But the downside is that if you're a user of that watch, you it means that you can't find straps for it because only Cartier makes it. Uh, so about two years ago, we managed to to make those straps with the same quick switch adapter. It's not exactly the same as the one from uh, uh, that you get from the OEM but it fits pretty much the same way. Um, so we've been making letter straps for that for about a year and a half. And then sometime at the end of last year, we received a letter from Richmond actually, telling us that, hey, you know, we, we are aware that you guys are doing this. Did you know that the quick switch is patented by Richmond? So you got to stop selling them. Um, so that's something that, that we we weren't aware of. And uh, unfortunately, after getting the, the the letter, they gave us initially two weeks to stop selling the straps. Um, But then I wrote in to Cartier and I asked them, you know, I I basically told them that we aren't your competitor. I'm helping you to sell more watches by advertising, by marketing, because I was putting ads dollars towards it. I was taking a lot of photos with the Santos. A lot of people asking me about the watch because I basically own like almost the entire range of Santos. So, you know, I I told them that, hey, you know, there's no need to do this. I I know you sell straps as well, but Truly, I, I think you can see us as, I hope you'll see us as partners rather than um, me as your competitor selling straps. Um, so I wrote in to them after I got the first letter and they told me that, you know, we'll give you another six months to sell it. Um, and thereafter, you have to stop selling straps with the quick switch attachment, which really was quite a pity for the community because it just meant one less offering. And I mean, if you go to Cartier today and try to buy a Santo strap, you're basically going to wait many months and pay a significant amount more so so that was how the situation evolved i i had hoped that you know with my letter to them they would see i had offered you know can we license your quick switch adapter can we pay you a small fee per strap that we sell and continue selling it but um they didn't seem to to entertain that idea so unfortunately we had to stop in may of this year yeah so sorry that you had to miss out on on the santos hmm. Yeah, I was
0: thinking honestly in my mind I was I was I know because once you guys had kind of started figuring out and you guys had had realized you weren't going to sell them anymore. I was thinking about stocking a few, but unfortunately I did not get the opportunity. And honestly, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's kept me from purchasing the Santos, you know, mm. like there's a huge kind of thing going on right now um with like right like right to repair, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. it's, it's a concept that I'm sure you're probably familiar with, but if you purchase something, you own it. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, you can take it wherever you want to get service and you can do whatever you want with it. You know, there's been multiple like lawsuits to to brands like Apple. Apple?
1: Yeah, um, that's right
0: because you know they're like oh you can't you know you can't get your laptop repaired anywhere if you do you avoid the warranty yada yada, yada. it's like if i own something i want to be able to do what i want with it mm-hmm. and i mean let's just cut to the chase i mean you've had such success because all the factory straps they just suck in, in my opinion of course you know so
1: not just that you know the, the the biggest thing that i had the biggest issue i had is that for a sports watch they didn't produce rubber straps which was such a missed opportunity. And they still don't. Right when we started the Santos straps about two years ago, um, I knew that you know if I could do it, I would want to make a rubber strap for the Santos. Because as an owner of the watch myself, like I, I love the bracelet. Um, I love the leather strap on it. But I felt that something to really complete the package is a rubber strap. Um, so that was a pity that they didn't make it. After we got served the letter in December last year, um, I, I still told my team like at first we were we were already developing our rubber strap for it, um, but then we took a pause because I I wasn't sure how things were gonna go and like should we develop something even though we are left with basically a, a a clock that's ticking down and and telling us that we have a timeline to stop. But after a couple of weeks and then I decided that you know this was something that we should still try to do, just be, even if we could only sell it for a few weeks, right? It's still worthwhile putting something out there and being able to see, like, we made the first rubber strap for the Santos. Well, the Santos medium, at least. The large had a, a black one. So o- only in, like, March or April this year were we'll we able to finally get something made. Um, and then we we released it, we took pre-orders for it. And right now, I think many Santos owners out there who believed in us enough to place the pre-orders, they are enjoying the the Santos with the, the rubber straps. Definitely a combo that I think, like, Cartier should have released it a long time ago. I, I'm not sure what's the issue holding them back because they do have the technical capabilities to make it. I mean, they've made rubber straps for the large Santos with the ADLC, um, with the black rubber. But since then, like they've not made anything for the medium. They've not made it in different colours. And I think people just want to be able to do different things. Like you said, like repair your watch, um, put on different straps. Even if it's from the OEM, at least offer some, some options. But Unfortunately, there's just not many options out there for brands. I think most brands just, you know, focus on the watch and not think about the rest of the experience, which a big part of it is the strap.
0: Cartier really loves to kind of, uh, to tout, I guess this is the right word, to tout the water resistance of the Santos. So it's 100 meters, 100 meters, 100 meters. Like, you know, you could take it in the water, but what am I going to wear it on in the water? I'm certainly not going to wear it on the stainless steel. You know, I'm certainly not going to take it on the leather. You know, I'm just going to not take it in the water. Right. But I lived in, in Tbilisi, Georgia for a while. And, you know, at the time I I was, I had purchased a pan. I didn't have my whole collection. I purchased a a radio mirror Mm -hmm. and same thing, same thing. You know, it came with a factory strap and the factory strap wasn't good. So I found a local watch shop and they had They had connections with leather makers and, you know, the owner of the watch shop was like, Hey, get in, get in. So he he took me to this little leather like shop. And there was just literally like hundreds, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of rolls of leather. And I spent, I I mean, I don't even know, like I like an hour, hour and a half going through all the, and they were, they weren't organized very well Mm -hmm. for one, but you know, it took me over an hour and a half to find the leather that I wanted to use on my strap. And then, luckily, I didn't have to wait very long. Like I, I you know, I, I literally they just took little snippets out, and mm-hmm. then we went to the watch. Uh, we went to the the leather maker, and then they were, you know, like here, just take these, you know, swatches. And he wants three straps, and I, I left my my OEM Panerai strap with him. Um, which was an alligator, you know, strap and, uh, and then I came back like a week later and they were done, Nice, but it was super cool, but it got me thinking some of your, your, your hides are some of the, the best that I've ever seen. So how, how do you go into selecting, you know, the, the material you use? I, I probably shouldn't say hides, uh, yeah. cause that's very specific to cows, but, um, you know, are are there any specific tanneries that you, you try to utilize or how do you go in a
1: selection of your materials? So I, I think that a big part of it is really trying things out and seeing what how it feels. Like the, the feel of a leather is something that you, you can't... Like I can describe it with all the words, but ultimately you just have to touch it and feel it and see how it, it works. There There are many characteristics of a leather, right? I think how it feels is one... How soft it is or how sturdy it is is another. Um, is it water resistant? Is it scratch resistant? Um, does it patina? How how does it take to abuse over the years? Like, like, is it something that would stay in the same condition after many years of use or is it something that would change and, and evolve and morph over time? Um, I, I think that there's no right answer to it. Like, some people prefer leather that would change over time. You know, when you use a A leather briefcase, you you want to see the the marks that picks up over time. Um, You you like that rugged feel of it. You like to see the leather darken around the edges. So that's what we call patina. But some people prefer, like, say you're getting a a handbag. You know, many of the female handbags, they use leather that doesn't really change over time. It it stays about the same. Like you can buy a, a, a handbag made out of Epsom or Safiano and it probably looks the same after a year, two years of use um so it's not like one property is better than the other so for us you know for me when when i first started i used all of the different types of leather and i think in the leather crafting world people like share things like that like oh like this leather is good for this it looks like this you got to see the colors see how it, i mean try to see videos and and feel it for yourself how does it cut like is it easy to work with as well um, so after handling them, then you have a better sense of the leather and you know what customers like and don't like. Like maybe some leather are more durable than others and, and after a while, the, the the quality of the leather shines through. Um, so I think in, in the leather crafting world and like in the handbag world and in the, the leather accessories world, there are names of leather that gets thrown around. For example, you've probably heard of the, some of the names I mentioned like Epsom, Safiano, I think those, those are used by handbags. Uh, in the men's world, like if you buy men's shoes, you would hear things like Chrome XL. You would hear like Shell Cordovan. Nomos uses Shell Cordovan as well. Um, so all these are... Some of them refer to like a type of leather made by one tannery. It's like, you know, they... I mean, it, it's just a name of the leather hide. It's a, it's a brand, basically. Um, but at the end of the day, most of them are just calf leather. While some of them like Shell Cordovan, it refers to a type of leather which is made from the rear end of the horse, basically. So that's Shell cordovan. You can have Shell cordovan from different tanneries. Each one of them have their own properties. So at the end of the day, it's about, I mean, back to your question, it's about knowing the leather itself, knowing the properties of each leather, um, having a touch and feel of them myself, um, and then knowing what people want and what they're looking for. And ultimately, having options that covers the entire range of it. There's no like right answer. Some people like A, some people like B. So as a as a brand, you know what you have to do? You just make both A and B. And then over time, you'll hear people saying, oh, A and B is great, but I want C as well. So then you go and find the leather that does have the properties of C. Um, and over time, that's where you expand the, the range of leather that you have. Today, we have, I think we have over 20 different types of leather and materials. Uh, and we source them from tanneries all around the world. So uh, most are in Europe, but we also get, like, for example, our Shao Cordovan is from Japan, from Shinki. Um, we used to have Chrome Excel. now we're discontinuing that, but that's from the US. Alligator, we saw some locally from a tannery called Henglong. Others we saw in Spain. So we're we we selecting the best tanneries that does the best of each type of texture, type of leather, and just bringing all of them back into the same place. Um, so not, not really focusing on one region per se, but just seeing what's the best out there and choosing the best.
0: Yeah. Something that um, I've noticed a lot of leather goods producers talk about is sustainability and ethics. Super curious to get your approach, you know, because obviously you're using, you know, animal skin. Right. Right. Yep. So I don't know. I haven't seen too much. I mean, maybe I haven't looked deep enough, but I'm definitely curious to get your take on how you kind of balance those two priorities. Right.
1: I think in terms of the sourcing part of it, we make sure that we the leather that we get comes from reputable tanneries. Um, like we we make sure that you know these are named tanneries that um, even the big the big leather houses use. Um, so we, I mean, I I don't track their supply chains and all that. But you know, if if a brand like Hermes or LVMH uses some of these tanneries, then I'm pretty sure that you know these guys are are safe. I think the other part about sustainability is also about the crafting of it, um, the how how the straps are made, and to that extent, I think our crafters are, are you know, they they are artists in their own right. We are, we don't run sweatshops, we don't do any of that. I think we we make sure that our crafters are in a good environment. They they are well taken care of. We are basically not finding cheap places to just manufacture in bulk and then sell them at a price them at a low price and then sell them for a huge profit. I think it's about cultivating the community as well of crafters that we have, uh, making sure that they are trained, they are educated on the leather that they're using, they have the right skill sets and they are making them in the right environment. I think, I think a lot of the sustainability angle is also on having different types of materials these days. Definitely we see a, a shift or, or some brands preferring other types of material, not just leather. Um, so to the end, I, I think leather is still here to stay but people want options, um, so what we've been looking around for is you know providing non-leather options that can still be made into handcrafted straps. So some examples that we have is like alcantara as a material um, that is a synthetic uh, material that that's used in car interiors. It feels like nubuck almost, but it's it's a synthetic material. Other things we have is recently we launched this um, rubberized leather. It's textured like leather. You you when you look at it, you may think it's leather but it's actually a synthetic material that's more like rubber. So it's totally waterproof. Uh, You can soak it and it's fine. Uh, So we're trying to to find alternatives like this for people who prefer using non-animal-based products. And of course, I think shifting into rubber straps, into fabric options, I think that's another approach that we are taking as well.
0: Yeah, I need to pick me up one of those synthetic leather straps. Like that—that's next on on my purchase list, on my wish list from from you guys. Let's talk a little bit about like uh, about quality control. You know, I'm assuming you know this is a really hard. It's really hard to scale without quality control. Everything that you do, I mean, every strap you put out that I've purchased and every leather good, it it, it seems near perfect. And I, I again, I'm not just saying that because you're you're here on the podcast. You know, I've worked with with multiple brands, and when I picked up my my tank, you know, they were like, "Oh, you know, just buy deluxe straps. You know, don't buy our <laughs> straps." And same thing, I, I know people that sell um that sell Patek, and mm-hmm. you know, they suggest your uh your in Vacheron, you know, to they suggest their customers to buy, to buy your straps, ADs, you know, I'm sure they could get in trouble for that, but at the end of the day, you know, it's all about relationship building. So, so yeah, I mean, maybe you could talk a little bit about that.
1: You know, I, I think quality control. control comes down to a few. Well, I mean, if you look at the entire supply chain the entire step of the process, there are at each step, you really have to ensure that the quality is the best. We've talked about sourcing the best type of leather. I think that that's where it all starts. Uh, but not just leather. I think the rest of the material as well, like the the lining material, um, the type of thread that we use, the type of material we use for the padding, the stiffener. Um, so I won't go into the details for all those. But I think we spend some time there, just trying to make sure that whatever we use is good for this purpose. Then I think the next step is in the crafting, or or even before that, the start of the crafting. Right? You have to find the good parts of the leather height to use. Heights come in all shapes and sizes and quality. Some parts of it have scars because it's a natural product. So some parts of the leather height comes with like big gashes or whatnot. Or some of it the 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 leather is not as firm, it's not as tight. Um, there's some looseness in the skin. So being like, like for our crafters, knowing which parts to avoid using is a big part of it as well. Especially when you talk about things like alligator. Um you don't want to have like a big scar going right in the middle of the strap. Um that just ruins the look of it. Um, so selecting and, and selecting the right part of the leather to use is a big one. Um, during the crafting process, that's where uh, a lot of care needs to be taken because if you ever try leather crafting, it's not easy to get the the stitches symmetrical. It's not easy to get things looking um, like they're made from a machine. All of our straps are hand stitched. Um, so if you if you look at it right off, you know you might not see or might not think that it's it's hand handcrafted, right? But it's after many months of training before they can actually start making a strap that actually goes for sale. Um, so making sure that the training process is there. But of course, if a mistake is made, then you know during the first part of the QC is where we catch it. Um, and and that strap gets if it can if we can remake it, like just take out all the stitching and restart again. Uh, that's what we do. But if it's too far down and we can't we can't do that, then that strap gets put aside. Then when it comes over here to where we are in Singapore, before we send out the straps. We'll do one final QC check to see if it if it's good enough for, for our standards. If it passes all those checks, then only then we send it out. Um, but of course, time to time, we also may miss out things. So I think that's where having the right customer service approach is important. Um, we have a lifetime guarantee on all of our straps uh, and, and products. So uh, if a customer emails in and say that, oh, you know, one of my stitching broke, um, we'll, we'll often just send out a strap to replace it without any questions. Because like I, I, we, we send out thousands of straps every month, right? It's not possible for every single one of them to be okay. But I think where we can make a difference is in the after-sales service and recovery. What I tell my team is that we want to make sure that every customer transaction with us, they feel satisfied at the end of it um, and you're happy with the product you're getting because we we understand that it's not a cheap price you're paying for these products. I mean, you could go on Alibaba and find something cheaper, um, but when you're shopping with us, it's not just the product, but it's about the service as well. So even if we can't... like We will try our best to make sure that the product you get is as good as it can be. But definitely from time to time, it may not. And that's where the after-sales part comes in. So and at the end of the entire process, we have a lot of leftovers and stuff. Those, we also try not to waste it. So once in a while, we'll do something we call an overstock sale or bargain bin sale, uh, where we take all those chips that are that didn't make the cut or it's not good enough for us to sell to our customers at full price uh, and we sell it at a discounted rate. So that gives people a chance to buy something at a cheaper price knowing that it's not 100% perfect. But if you're, like, if you're fine looking past the cosmetic of things and knowing that functionally the strap is still good, then that's where you can pick up something for a good bargain. So yeah, I think, I think it's, it, it's quality control comes at every stage of the process and not only this but i think most people don't understand
0: like leather making is so hard it's so challenging for one and it's it's an art mm-hmm. it's like it's like painting a picture you know um like a yeah. canvas like i mean i i've tried it for fun. You know, like I bought the little, the little leather kits and, and they're pre-cut and they're pre-punched and you can just sew them together. So that's the extent that I've tried. And of course, you know, I've dyed them and stuff, but
1: yeah, I mean, it's a piece of art. Just like looking at this, um, this strap, I mean, I'm not sure if you can see it right. Oh yeah. Like just the stitching, how, how consistent it is. Like just trying, if you've tried leather crafting, you know, that some trying to achieve something like this is definitely not the easiest thing. And even trying to cut it, cut the strap in a symmetrical function, because this tapers down from like 20 millimeters down to 16, and making sure that the cut is symmetrical down to the point, down to the right at the tip, like all that is is not the easiest thing to to accomplish. Of course, you know, when when if you're doing this on an individual basis, you you might not have the right tools to to do all of that. But because we are making so many straps, we have the dies necessary to make sure that all these are consistent. And then, of course, with the stitching, there's no way around it. You just have to practice and and get better at it. Um, Same with the H-Paint. Just trying to make sure that this entire layer, it looks seamless. It doesn't seem like multiple pieces of leather coming together. That also takes quite a bit of time to to get done. Um, It's it's things that people don't notice if you just get off-strap. But I think if you buy off-strap and you compare it to another strap out there, um, you can probably tell the difference uh, just looking at them side by side. Easily easily okay. let's talk
0: about um like trends right so i think personally it, it's pretty challenging to keep up with trends it seems like you guys aren't really facing that because in you know and some of those straps that you, like i have i have one of your lab your lavender straps for my mm-hmm. wife and i've never seen anybody else do that color but, you know, it seems like, how, how do you keep up with trends? Or are, are you not really focused on trends? Are you just kind of doing you? Like, like I would love to hear a little bit more about that,
1: you know? <laughs> I, I, I wish we can say that, you know, we we have some insights into what consumer habits are. But I, unfortunately not. I think this how, how I think about it is is two ways. I think the first is, you know, you kind of just listen to your customers and really listen to what people are telling you. Um, I think so many businesses and 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 founders out there don't do this enough. Many times, you if you don't know what to do, just talk to your your customers, you know. And and having that access to to people who are directly buying your products and want to buy from you and and see what you have, like that's an invaluable source of feedback. Many of the products we make is just by listening to what people want. I and mean, sometimes with colors, it's just asking the asking on on Instagram, right? Like putting out a story and asking what other colours or what other leather would you like to see from us? And seeing what are the responses that come in. Um, so over time, we realise where are the gaps in our offering. Um, and, and like pastel colours is something that has come up. Um, we're getting more and more female collectors and, and wanting people who want more light colours or more pastel light colours. Um, so that's something that we, we've we been trying to expand our collection in. Because previously, we are just doing like greys and blues and browns, but nothing that's a bit more different and eye-catching. And and I think that, you know, that's the whole fun of changing straps is being able to try different combinations out uh, and, and explore. I think the second part of it is just being responsive enough to see where the trends are going as well. Like, I mean, this year, the color of the year was like ice blue or, or along that, that shade. Um, it's a color that we've always been making. But I think seeing how every watch release since... Uh, the start of the year, was that colour. We decided to make a bit more of that that, colour, making our rubber straps in that colour, making leather straps that are in that colour as well, promoting more of those leather straps that's in that colour. And and just having access to tanneries that can make leather in the colour that we want is a big part of it as well. So we are responsive. We're not just subject to whatever stock colours come with the tannery. We can say that, hey, you know, we, we want to, to get a custom run of, of this mint green or something, uh, and they can make something for us. I, I wouldn't say we are a trendsetter yet, but um, definitely that's something we try to do is to open up people's minds to the possibilities. Because I think many times people just stick with what's safe black, blue, browns. I think those in grays, you can't go wrong with them. But often the fun is like when you put a different color on and it just works. Um, and sometimes, you know, you need some encouragement. You need to see photos, you need to see videos. Um, so that's why we are very, very image and, and video heavy because you just have to see a picture to see like, oh, that actually looks good. And then suddenly, like everyone's just purchasing that color. Um, so sometimes all it takes is one photo, one video, and people realize that, yeah, maybe I can consider this this shade of blue and it actually looks good on my speedmaster on my cartier Santos, but if you don't have the photos and videos people will just buy the safe options you know it'll just go with black because that's safe Um, so we're not exactly a trendsetter but i think we try to open people's eyes to what's possible um, through our images as well
0: you do a good job at at creating an online Mm -hmm. experience you know that's really hard especially for consumers and obviously, I, I'm a customer. You're free to look up my purchase history and see how much <laughs> of, my, of my money you've taken uh, or, or earned, should I say. Hold on. Hold on. But, but the strap customizer that you have, like the strap configurator, where yeah. you can literally choose a watch head and then flip through your strap options. Amazing. And then just going through the whole like the whole site, and you have multiple pictures, like you just mentioned, and then you have a little video of like yeah. you guys like
1: flipping like, through like, it and twisting the yeah. strap, and then showing how pliable it is. Yeah,
0: that is, I mean, that's amazing. And th- th- for example, I had to wear the Izmir because yeah. this is my, fi- but then if you look, like it's hard to see, but matches the cabochet. Yes, perfect perfect and this is one that i looked at for i don't know like months months and i just whenever the mid-year sale came i was like All right, cool. <laughs> cool there it is and i love it and surprisingly i wear it on the gold i wear it on the gold with the gold buckle yeah perfect it, it looks amazing like nice and I get so many compliments on it because everybody's like, dude, what the hell is that? Like you're wearing a gold watch with a blue strap. And I'm like, yeah, it works. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious also, you know, what, what are your most popular collections? There, there may be people out there that are listening that maybe don't own a strap from mm-hmm. you. And I hope that they will because it's a whole new experience and it, it breathes life into some of my watches, in my opinion. So I'm sure you probably heard this before, but there's been watches that I've considered selling, you know, and, yeah. you know, my, my recipe before I make that decision is put it on a deluxe strap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, tell us about some of the signature designs, you know, if there are new listeners or, or new customers, you know, or, or future customers, what, where would you start, you know, because you have so many different, different options.
1: Yeah. I think what you've mentioned uh, before. I go into the, the the popular options. I think what you've mentioned about how a new strap can breathe life into a watch. I think that's 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 something that people assume we say just for marketing, but it, it truly is like that 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 feeling when you know we 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 have a store now where people come in and, and they shop for straps. Um, the amount of time where someone you know brings in a watch that's like this is not working out. This strap doesn't look good, or I haven't worn this watch in so long because the strap is just too long for me or doesn't look good. Um, and then the moment they switch on the strap and it's just like the way they look at the watch is it's a totally different look, right? It's like they, they look at it as, as if it's really a new watch. And that feeling is what, you know, what really drives me and the rest of my team is helping people to discover like like the, the maximum potential of your watch, if that makes sense. Um, because just... Like, if you just have it on one strap, that's just one one look of it. That's just one potential of it. But when you switch it out to different looks, then that's where you really get maximum enjoyment out of your watches. And I think, ultimately, that's what uh, we're trying to help people achieve. To, to, to your question about the, the best sellers, over the years, we've had many. The, the few that I'll mention is, like, what we've consistently seen to do the best and what we always recommend. Nubuck in light grey. I think that's our number one across all time. It's a very soft um, material. It's soft to the touch. It feels great. And the, the light grey colour is very, very versatile with almost any watch out there. It's almost like the same colour as my shirt right here. Um, and, and, you know, it, it gives you a very casual vibe to your watch. And yes, it's really nice to touch. So you just end up touching your watch, uh, the strap the whole time. So so that's, that's our number one. Um, number two is probably, I would say, Top Epsom. Uh, so, Epsom is the leather top is the the color of it. Um, it's like this golden, warm, brownish shade of color. It comes with contrast stitching at the side. It's another very casual uh, strap, and it works. I, I really like it on like gold watches, whether it's yellow gold or or, or rose gold. I think that that strap brings out the warmth of the metal um and and really makes it like a perfect look. Navy Saffiano is another one that's really popular. Uh, I think Saffiano leather is, you know, a lot of the people out there have heard of it. I think Prada uses it for their wallet. So the navy colour of it is, it's like if you have a Cartier with a, a sapphire, blue sapphire cabochon, right? That navy Saffiano matches that perfectly. And I think many watches out there have like blue steel um, hands. So any navy strap basically goes pretty well. And Saffiano is popular because of the look of the um, the texture. It has this cross hatch pattern and it's very scratch resistant, it's very water resistant as well. So it's quite a durable leather. Um so between those three, like like Great Top Epsom, and, and Navy Safiano, um, those are the best sellers for leather. For rubber, like the, the cut-to-size rubber strap we've launched earlier this year has been amazingly popular. I think the the black is always a classic. Gray, uh, green has been very popular as well, the olive green color. So those two, definitely check it out as well if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think cut to size is something that we are, we are very excited to bring to the market. Um, and I think something that most people, if you're used to rubber straps, you will try, you, if you try one of our cut to size, you'll understand what the big deal is all about. Just because there's no excess, um, the deploying class is something that's very comfortable. And I, I definitely recommend people to try it out if you like rubber straps. That's one of my next purchases. Tell us
0: about, and I know, per, I, I'm not sure how recently this is, but, but you guys started doing, um, like made to order products
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm probably sure, especially based on, you know, my Instagram creeping, you know, that, that it, it seems to be a huge part of your business, you know? So how did you kind of make that pivot into, you know, made to order? Cause it seems like customization is super important you know, for your customers and for you as a brand. I'd be happy if you would to touch on a little bit, you know, about that concept and, and bringing that even to market.
1: Yeah. We, it's something that we've always offered, but we've never really pushed out that much. Since right at the beginning, we've had this uh, made-to-order service. But I, I think the first thing is, you know, having our... Because our, our crafting is integrated, we can really allows for something like this i think if you're working with like a, a big factory you know there's no way that they're going to allow you to just place an order for one strap um, so having our crafting partners be in house being able to work with them closely is a big part of it and i yes although we we want what our, our mission is to bring uh, ready made straps to people but i think a big part of people also want something unique to them whether it's in the luck width or whether it's in the length of the strap or even details like the stitching color, the H-paint, the lining leather use. So there's there's basically infinite options out there. And if you're only making straps to stock and you're not offering custom straps, then um, the options are quite severely limited for customers. So for those people who want something specific, like you know exactly what you want, then the custom strap program is perfect. And um, it's something that we've had, but we never really brought much focus to it because Honestly, it takes so much time to make a strap from start to finish on its own. If you're only just making one, that it's, it's not like it's, it's going to cost a little bit more to make it, and we're not making that much either. Um, but I think we we just want to customers to have that option to be able to you know specify exactly what you want and to have it made that way. Because for most people out there, they'll be happy with our entire range of ready stock selection. But I think for those who just want something really special then you know that the only way to get it is if you go custom. And being able to offer that is something that we are really happy to do, even though there's there's a lot of things to to firstly take the order. Like it's it's not easy to take the specifications that the customer wants uh, and then communicating that all the details to our crafters, making them, checking through all the details, making sure that it's correct and then sending it to the customer. So that whole process takes a lot of effort to go through. Um, but at the end of the day, what you really get is customers who have something that's just for them. And I think you, you can't run away from that feeling of, of accomplishment or, or excitement when you receive a product that's just made for you. What we've done recently is to bring back special types of leather. So in the past, you know, when we started out, we didn't have that many types of leather. So uh, what we try to do is every month, I'll, I'll bring in like a special batch of leather for people to select from. But but then that got a bit intensive to keep sourcing for new leathers and new colors and working for crafters to get them made. So we stopped that sometime at the end of 2020. Um, and this year, we decided to bring back that initiative. So every month, you know, you'll see special leather that we are offering, unique colors of alligator that you can't find anywhere else. Just to have something interesting for people who... Like a long-time customers of ours, and you know that you know our entire product line, and you're no longer excited by it. But now we have something that's coming out every month to get you excited, to get you looking at you know what what else have we got? And uh, these straps are all custom order, so you can specify them exactly. We can get them made exactly how you want it to. So I think that's something that we hope to bring back again um, to let people realize that hey, you know, is is you can have a lot of fun with leather straps. You don't just have to stick to the same formula. You can customize one to just match exactly how your watch looks.
0: How do you see the uh, the future of watch accessories evolve? I know obviously you talked about nobody has a crystal ball, but how do you see everybody the de- the demand is there for leather goods, leather accessories? So how do you see the future of those leather goods and accessories evolving? If you know, if maybe you can give some insight and you know, what will delugs play in that in that role, right?
1: I mean my, my hope is that really, firstly, I think people realize that you can switch out straps. Um, you know, we, we you and I, we we know it, we know that you can do it, you know, how much fun it is. But honestly, for the for the majority of watch people out there, or not even watch people like general public who owns a watch, most of them just think that your watch has to stay with whatever strap came on it. You have to get the same bracelet. If you want to get a strap, you probably have to go back to the watch brand and it's going to cost you quite a big big amount. So I, I think the first is, I hope that more people will realize that you don't have to stick to the stock option. You can switch it out and it totally changes the look. And it's not difficult to change it out on your own. It's something that, you know, at home you can do it. You can just buy something. You have to put in a bit of effort to research about your watch, find out what size works. Um, but once you do that, you can change straps out on your own at home. So my first hope is that, you know, people um, will realize that aftermarket straps are a thing and you can change them out. Um, I think the second is that people will experiment with more bold colors. You know, I think with with COVID and, you know, with the whole like work from home and things like that, uh, I, I feel like the formal workplace attire stance to us that is changing. Uh, people are, are more casual in how they dress, how they go out. People want to accessorize, show off their styles. And I hope that more people will try out interesting colors and not just stick to the same few colors. I think that that gives a lot of spice and a lot of enjoyment. Especially for a guy, like there's not many ways you can accessorize, right? Like there's not many things you can do and wear. You can change the look of your shirt and your 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 outerwear and all that. Um, but you don't have that many Other things you're wearing around, right? Um, And and watches and straps are are, are one place where you can show your personality and show your style. Um, So hopefully more people will be willing to experiment with different color options and not just stick to the same few colors. I I think the the third part is is with regards to the industry is that I hope that more brands will see strap brands like myself as partners and not just as like a, a part of your supply chain. Definitely, I think in the past many strap brands were just factories or just suppliers. They are they are not a brand on their own. Like they don't sell directly to end consumers. They don't have their own marketing, or they don't have they don't build up their own marketing assets, or they don't try to market to the end consumer. Um, but what we are trying to do is something quite different. It's you know we we can't market a strap on its own. We have to market it with a, a watch, and honestly, it's like free publicity for all the brands that we're marketing on. And I hope that more brands will realize that you know a strap brand like Deluxe is not a competitor to you guys. We are here to help you to elevate your watches. It's in our interest if the watch brand does well. And if more people want to buy that watch and want to buy our strap that comes with it. It's, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not that you know if I make more sale, you make less. I see it as something that we can collaborate on. If you do well as a watch brand and we sell straps for you. We will also do well. So it's my interest to help you to promote your watch, and to also sell more straps. Um, so I hope that more brands, you know, are willing to step forward and partner with strap brands, and whether it's in terms of like just marketing, or whether it's in terms of like developing a special strap just for your watch, um, and realizing that the strap brands are not just suppliers, and working together to collaborate, even you know to the extent of like deciding what strap design goes well with my doll or maybe even changing the doll to match the strap because like you really like this strap and you want to make something that matches with it so that's a direction that I hope more brands will realize I I, I think at the same time there's not many strap brands that's doing what we're doing brands haven't realized the potential of this but I think once they see what a brand another brand can bring to the table and and the potential of collaborating together um, I hope that that's uh, something we'll see more brands doing. I mean, you see watch brands collaborating with other watch brands. It's not very different from that. A watch brand collaborating with a strap brand to produce something that everyone would enjoy.
0: I actually had a question um, about that, ironically, in, in my list here. You would think, in you know, brands would have enough sense to contact you and say, Hey, I'm developing this watch. Here's a prototype. I want to watch obviously there's not a lot of proprietary components in watch straps, mm-hmm. unless you have, mm-hmm. like we talked about the Cartier system and right. But you would think brands would approach you more and, and, and tap into your, your, your user base, your strap portfolio. And I'm sure you've probably even reached out to brands saying, Hey, like, here we are, here's what we're doing. Like, is there a possible collaboration here? And I'm curious as to why that, that doesn't exist already, because you have a customer base, you have a great selection of products. You know, we've already talked about this. They can breathe new life into any watch. I mean, a part of my, my selection process when I'm choosing my watch is what strap I'm not only deciding what watch I want to wear, but what strap I want to wear it on. Right. Because you know, if I wore something light blue, it may look weird, but this is very con, you know, it is I think about those things. So how how much pushback have you gotten from these brands and, and why hasn't that happened already? You know? Yeah.
1: I wish I knew the answer. I can only hazard a guess. You know, it is something that I've been thinking a lot about as well. I, I would say talking about brands as a big homogeneous whole is not very useful. I think it's it's important to break down different types of watch brands out there. Um, so I, I, there, there are three broad buckets and I'm I'm going to try to avoid naming names over here. Um, so I think the first is probably the the big brands that everyone knows, right? Anything under Richmond, anything under Swatch Group, I think those are the big guys. And, and for those, my suspicion is that they already have the existing suppliers. Some of them may even be vertically integrated. And in a way, there's no need to change what isn't broken. If, the existing strap works, not many people complain about it, then there's no need to shift the entire supply chain. Cause to do that is probably gonna be quite quite a big endeavor. And they probably have to vet whoever they're working with. They have their strict requirements on on certification, on yeah, I don't know what else, but they probably have a lot of requirements on their own suppliers. Maybe part of it is requiring that their suppliers come from Switzerland. I'm not sure. Whereas we are an Asian, I'm based in Singapore as well, so there might be some biases towards that. Uh, so, so that's for the big brands. I think it's difficult to enter into whatever arrangements that is already ongoing. The next group I would say is probably your mid-tier brands. Um, they're not; they may not be owned by a, a big group. They may be independent on their own, uh, but they're of a certain moderate size. I think with these, it's it's definitely easier and it's definitely possible to work with them. But it comes down, a lot of it might come down to cost factors. Pricing is one or, or just uncertainty about the brand that they work with. They want some some assurance that, you know, we are here for the long run. And at the end of the day, I mean, we we are just getting started. We are, you know, five years old um, and many of the other watch brands out there, they have been around for decades and, and, and maybe even 100 years, you know. Um. So trying to enter into some of these discussions is not easy, it's possible, but there needs to be enough... It's a similar thing with the big groups, I think. There needs to be enough reason for them to want to approach us, and it must make sense for them on a cost basis. With the bigger guys, I think their their profit margin probably gives them enough room to play with. But I think the smaller guys, many of them are very price conscious. You know, They're trying to, to produce the best... Product for for the price point, and working with a you know handcrafted strap brand, where like we've spoken to many of the brands and their prices that they're quoting us is like ten dollars for a strap. You know, there's there's no way we can do we can afford something like this when our products are handcrafted, handmade. Uh, it takes hours for us to just make one strap. So I think there there is a gap between what they want and what we can provide. Um, so oftentimes we can't reach the level that they want, and they may not see that big of a, a reason for them to pay a, a few extra money if, if you know, a strap is just something that they need to have on their watch so that they, they can send the watch out. But at the end of the day, if they know that their customer is gonna switch out the strap anyway, then they don't have to spend that money and they can just let their customer buy the aftermarket strap on their own. They can choose whatever variant they want. You know, the customer ultimately let the customer choose on their own rather than them spending more upfront on a strap that may not suit everyone. So I I think that's the the middle group. The last group is where the micro brands and the independent brands sit. The smaller guys, some of these, they make maybe 10 watches a year. Um, For this group, it's definitely much easier to provide straps for. Many of our collaborations have been independent brands um, just because they recognize what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve. And I think there's also a more collaborative nature to independent brands. So they are more willing to work with other people so I think in this area is definitely where you see much more collaboration in. But still, I think it 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 takes time for us to build our brand name to a point where, you know, we are the go to and the default strap brand out there. I think that we you know we've grown a lot, but I, I'm we still have a lot of way to go, and there are still many people out there who haven't heard of Deluxe. Um, so it takes some time before we we get to the position where we become like the default strap brand. If if that day ever comes. But I think for these independent makers, probably what they're looking for is someone that's reliable, someone sustainable, um, someone that they can work with for a long term. And I think that comes with just being in the game long enough to reach that point where they have that trust in, in the brand. Uh, it's definitely something we're working towards and you know we are we are doing our best to reach out to brands as well. But it's important for the brands to also believe in what they're buying, what they're getting. And to see the value that we can bring to the table, and not just see us as a a supplier and trying to bargain for the best dollar, I guess.
0: We're running a little late here. We always have great discussions on our podcast, and um, I respect your time, and I know it's super valuable. We only have two more questions here, so I, you know, feel free to get through them as quickly as you want. But, but, so, you know, something that. You know, again, a lot of people who probably are listening do know who you are. When I told my friend, I was yesterday, I was at a, the Patek Boutique, and mm-hmm. and I told her that you were coming on, and hopefully that you were going to show up, and you did. <laughs> but, but, but no, no, and um, and so yeah, what what advice to some of your customers and our listeners can you give about care? You know, because that that's something I have zero. Knowledge about, I want I want this to last forever.
1: So, tips from the man himself, please. First, I think we talked about it. Do not bend your straps one eighty degrees. Do not use a deploying clamp. <laughs> just that way. Um, yeah. No, I mean, jokes aside, I think you know the the first is really just to make sure that the ladder you're getting is good quality. I think in the first place you can't if you're buying something that's not genuine, not not. Full grain leather, for example, maybe it's like bonded leather or genuine leather. Those are lower grades of leather and, and typically the material will no matter what you do to it, you know, it will just flake off over time. I'm sure we've all seen like photos of or, or know of like a leather sofa that after a couple of years of use it just kind of like chips away. So with full grain leather actually things like these do not happen because the 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 fibers are much tighter. So you wouldn't see like the the leather just flaking off. You know, the first step to any care is just to make sure that the product you're getting in the first place is, is, is a quality product. Um, but I think the, the the rest of it, you know, once you've settled that, to be honest, there's not much care that you really need to be too conscious about. That's a good thing. Um, you don't have to, like, baby your products. You can just use it and they'll probably last fine. They'll outlast you. But if you do want to be careful, I think a few things is, you know, firstly, if you can, just rotate amongst your strap switch them out once in a while so that you're not using the exact same one every single day. Especially if you live in like a humid environment like Singapore, or if you know you're you 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 tend to have like sweat and perspiration. Um, that can often seep into the lining. So you want to give some time for the leather to come back again after a day of wear. Um, the, the next thing is I think just be a little bit gentle in your straps. You know you don't have to like when you're wearing a strap, most people what they do when you're putting it on, you don't have to bend it like this like we talked about bending it 180, like there's no need to do that. You know, you just want to be a bit more gentle with how you take it out of the buckle and how you put it in the keepers, um, just so you're not bending the strap in weird angles. Because if you do that every single day and you're putting a lot of strain on on, on the leather, then definitely that's, that's something that um, will come apart. The third thing I think is just to, if you find that the leather becomes dry or, or it doesn't look or feel as good, you can always buy a conditioner a leather conditioner. One that I always go back to is like, it's got Saphir Renovatia or something like that. Um, so you can you can find different types of leather conditioner out there. Um, these will just typically bring some life back to your leather straps. It, it, it's a combination of like wax and, and different types of blend that's put together in the compound. And you can just apply it over the leather and uh, it helps to restore the leather a little bit. So, you know, if you find that you haven't used a strap in, in a long time, and it's starting to feel a little bit dry, just put a bit of this conditioner on and you'll be good to go. But yeah, don't don't leave a strap like unused for way too long because if you do that, then there's also a chance that the leather may get moldy or whatnot. So you'll want to wear your straps, rotate them once in a while. Uh, make sure you keep the straps in your rotation as well um, and you should be good to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. This is the biggest question. So are you, are you ready? <laughs>
1: Let's go. Here we go. What
0: do we expect from you in the future? You know, what can (laughs) the customers and fans expect in the next few years? Obviously, we know you're here forever, right? You're going to have some some heritage soon, I mean. But give us a little taste into, you know, if you will, uh, what we can expect here soon. You know, if you're willing to discuss what some of your, some of your, uh, you're working on in the lab or, you know.
1: All right, um, do you have another hour? Because I think it'll take a while for us to, to get through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for as long as you want to talk, man. That's the cool thing, you know.
1: Um, I, I think, I think you know, we we have a lot of plans. Um, we try to keep looking ahead, you know, six months, one year, three years, just to see, chart out where, where we want things to be. I think at the end of the day, we want to be... I mentioned this at the start. We want to be the go-to brand for watch accessories, and there are are many parts to this statement. The first is, you know, if you are a watch accessories brand, there are still many products we don't make. Uh, We started off with leather products, leather straps, but you know, when 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 someone thinks of accessories for your watch, right? You have leather straps, you have rubber straps, you have metal bracelet, you have fabric straps, um, and then you have like all the tools and and cases and and anything else, you know, care care products, for example. Um, so we want to be in all of these categories and take the same approach that we've taken to how we've built up the leather strap collection and apply it to the rest of the products that we want to make in future. That's to say, you know, making sure that we are making things that people want, uh, making things that are of the highest quality, we, we know how to do it, making products that, you know, we ourselves the entire team here at Deluxe will want to use. That's the first step. And I'm um, looking across, like Rubberstrap is a big place that we're working on right now. Um, there are many, many models out there that we have to make rubber straps for. Um, we're just getting started. But, you know, Rolexes, Omegas, Tudors, uh, even some of the other brands that you may not think a rubber strap might work well for, uh, maybe some Grand Seiko or even some of the micro brands and the smaller brands. That's where we are looking at the next probably about one to two years before we build out the, the entire rubber strap range. Then on the bracelet part, is something we're thinking about. Is something that we are starting to do some work on, but it's still preliminary. Um, working with metal is a whole different thing than whatever we've done with leather and rubber. Um, it's on a whole another scale of difficulty and cost as well. So it's something that we are dipping our toes into cautiously, um, just trying to see what works, what makes sense. There are good bracelets and there are not-so-good bracelets. And we think that you know all brands deserve a good bracelet if it's meant to come on a bracelet. Um, so we're trying to, to look at the market and seeing where the gaps are and, and where can we make the most impact on. Then fabric straps is something that we're still working on. Um, we are going to be releasing a new style of elastic strap in the next few months, hopefully. Um, so that's going to be coming out soon. I think more people are starting to shift towards like elastic and Velcro and things like that. That's a trend that we are spotting and trying to uh, make sure we have something for people who want that kind of straps. You know, that's that's just on the product front. But I think overall, we, we want to make sure that we are reaching out to as many watch lovers out there as possible. Since we've started, we are more focused on social media, Instagram. And because of that, we are only targeting people who are on social media and Instagram. Right, we're not targeting the people who may be more active offline, who may be more active on like Facebook groups or like watch forums. Uh, so we want to have a stronger presence there as well, um, just to to reach out to more people and, and share our love for straps and accessories with more people. And of course, like making content that that is exciting and engaging and fun. Uh, we started our YouTube channel not too long ago, and, and it's something that we're not sure. Like I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure which direction it's going to go. It's taking up a lot of effort on our end, but it's a fun process just to capture watches in a certain way. I think like watches are, they're not inanimate objects. They, they tick, you know, you can see the, the hands ticking, you can see the movement beating away and photos can only do so much to show you about a watch. Um, sometimes you really need videos, good quality videos to really capture the essence of it. And being in Singapore, I think it's a very big hub of like watch collectors we are quite fortunate that many people come in and they bring like amazing watches that most people have not seen or heard of. So we want to be able to capture some of that uh, in video and to to bring it to the rest of the audience that we have. So definitely quite a lot of things that we want to do. We're quite excited. Uh, we're hoping that you know people continue to to support our brand. Uh, people continue liking what we're doing, uh, and you know giving us the the energy and the drive to keep going and keep pushing and, and making products for the watch community. Yeah.
0: I really love the brand. I love what you're doing. I'm really excited to, to follow you on this journey as a customer and a, and a friend and, uh, and hopefully, you, you know, you guys, I, I'm excited. I, I can't believe I heard you say that you're working on a steel bracelet. That was <laughs> something that <laughs> threw me off, but, I'm sure it'll fit on one of my watches. So, so, yeah, looking forward to that. With that being said, you know, I, I want to thank, I thank you for your time, for myself and all the listeners. We're definitely going to stay tuned. I'll make sure that we link everything below. And, again, I, I'm glad that you came on, and I'm glad I was able to spend this time with you and, and get some of your insight. And I think I know, and all my friends – you know, we're we're customers and fans and friends and and we're gonna to continue to support you. I can I can tell you that for sure.
1: Thank you so much, Blake. Thank thanks for having me. I think it's always interesting to know that there are people out there willing to listen to me ramble on for over an hour. Um I, I'm glad to share my thoughts and insights on some of these things and definitely I think, you know, we wouldn't be here without the support of all of our customers, all the supporters, all the fans out there. I'm really thankful for everything that you know the the watch community has provided and supported us with. I know it's not. It, there are many other options and many other strap brands out there, watch accessories brands. So it means a lot that you're willing to spend your money with us and trust your watches with our straps. And you know it's something that we'll continue to do our best on to bring options that people really want and not just provide uh, yet another alternative. I think we always try to be a little bit different, a bit innovative, and that's the spirit that we'll try to continue bringing to the, the watch accessories market. Thank you again, Blake, for having me and, and hearing me chat for so long. Um, I'm you know, very happy to be here and thanks for your support for, for straps and uh, look forward to seeing what other straps you pick up in the next sales that we have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye on my account. Keep an eye. <laughs> my wife, my wife won't be happy, but I promise I, I got some, I've been doing some shop. I, I literally have a bookmark bar on my, on my browser right here. And it's just (laughs) everything that I want from your website. So, and I do, I would spend hours, hours going through your website. Like, and I, and then what I would do is once I I add them to the folder, then, you know, there's a button here. It says open all tabs, boom, open them all and then flip through them. And then be like, all right, this one's going to, you know, this one's not as versatile as I would have hoped, you know? And when I put this one next to the, the other one, this one's kind of the, the uh the winner the winner and contender because i'm sure you know it it does add up especially when i start putting together and adding everything in the card and then i'm like oh okay there's 600 or oh there's 700 you know so yeah i have to pace myself so so it's, it's bad that i know
1: you in that <laughs> it, way. it's cheaper than, than getting a new watch so you're probably saving sure. money in the long term i guess no, because I still
0: get the new watch. I get the new, I get the new watch, and I'm thinking about which deluxe strap I'm gonna use on the new watch, and how I can rip the the factory strap off, and which one of my deluxe straps will fit on it. I think about that before I buy the watch.
1: Thank you. you 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 know, you're a true deluxe supporter when you do that. That, that. <laughs> Definitely. And I,
0: I know a lot of other people that think the same. So, and that, that's the reason why I'm, I'm so glad you came on and, um and, and spent time with us. So I'm, I'm really, truly humbled. So.
1: It's, it's my pleasure. Thank you
0: so much for having me, Blake. Everybody, we will see you on the next one. We've got some more exciting guests coming up. I can't talk about it yet because we're still <laughs> finalizing details, but you know, we're going to have some, some exciting guests. So. Yep. And of course, you know, if you're listening here on, on, on one of your podcast outlets, we do have a video. I'm looking at Ken right now. And he's looking <laughs> at me. Scary for him. But but yeah, you know, you can tune in on YouTube. You know, we did a little wrist roll. He he shows off uh, you know some of his uh, his straps and uh and you definitely need to watch the video if if oh yeah, there we go. The whole display back there. I hope soon. I hope soon. um, I'm planning some trips to Asia and I hope, you know, that I can pop by Singapore and hopefully we can we can meet in real life at some point.
1: Yeah, definitely. Welcome over here. Hope you come by as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ken. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Blake.